chapter twelve of the love of landry by paul lawrence dunbar this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twelfth it was not exactly anger that had driven landry from mildred's presence with high head and flashing eyes he felt that resentment against fate which a man feels when his sorrows are not the fault of any particular person he had left the presence of the woman he loved less because her inadequate thanks provoked him than from the fear that the words which were tugging at his heart would strain up and burst from his lips all that's over now he told himself bitterly i can't go to her now like the hero of a dime novel and ask her hand in return for her life it would be cowardly and it would be mean so he went moping miserably about all his enthusiasm in life dead or dormant he consistently avoided mr osborne and mildred much to the former's surprise and the latter's grief mr osborne knew landry so little as to think now that he had so great a claim that he would renew his suit and successfully for he believed that mildred's gratitude must ripen into love for her saviour mildred frankly hoped that he would speak again but knowing him better she expected it less it was strange now that repression intensified her feelings she saw her lover but little but she thought of him only the more the vision of him was ever before her and she remembered with a pleasure so keen that it was almost pain the innumerable little acts of kindness and consideration that had unconsciously endeared him to her she missed their long rides together and all the details of their sweet companionship fearing that before she had held him too cheaply she now placed an unwarrantably high value upon him so the days went on and still landry did not come to her when one day her father approached her with a letter in his hand his face was very grave and his voice shook as he said mildred i've just received a letter from your aunt the girl looked up apprehensively your aunt writes me that she fears that i have not kept a father's eye upon you and that you are being allowed to be too much in the company of a very low person in fact as your aunt puts it a horrible cowboy mildred was looking angrily at her father now but her anger was not for him pray went on the old man whom does she mean she means the cowboy who saved my life a little while ago she she cannot mean landry she does and she has written me before about it hum said mr osborne gently but with an annoyed look your mont is a very remarkable person i shall write to her i shall tell her his voice was rising that landry thayer is a gentleman and my friend and the equal of any man i ever knew oh papa and mildred's head was hidden on her father's waistcoat somewhere in the region of the heart he held her off and looked at her blushing face is it so he asked yes and has been for a long time but i didn't know he took his daughter very gently in his arms and kissed her saying i'm very glad 
meanwhile landry knowing nothing of the happiness in store for him and hoping nothing had determined to go further into the mountains for a shoot with heathcote that amiable young englishman still lingered and rode drove and shot with a joy that only a true sportsman can know the friendship between him and landry had increased and when the latter was not mooning about they were always together mildred had been seeing almost as little of the one as she had of the other it was heathcote's plan to give her a respite from his importunities and maybe he thought she would come round to his way of thinking he had decided now on his return from his hunting trip to go directly east so the day before the start was to be made he came to her once more she saw his purpose in his eyes and would have saved him this final humiliation but he would speak i hope i am not boring you too much he said humbly but i have kept silent as long as i can and on my return i shall go directly east so i thought maybe you wouldn't mind giving me my answer now she looked at him with shining eyes and he took a moment's hope which was destined to be dashed immediately arthur my good friend she said i would not keep you in suspense i cannot say to you what i said a little while ago for now i do love another i thank you for the honour you do me for it is an honour to be loved by such a man he bowed and she gave him her hand he was turning away when suddenly a light broke through the gloom of his face and he came back to her eagerly i say he began awkwardly it couldn't be old landry you know it is landry she said firmly that's good that's good he said with a ring of honesty in his voice i'd rather him than anybody else except myself i congratulate you both he stood pumping her hand and smiling down at her though there lurked a sadness in his eyes there there is nothing to congratulate me about landry asked me before the stampede and then i did not know so i refused him he has not asked me since heathcote gazed at her for a moment in silence and then he turned abruptly and left the room what are you going to do she cried but he did not answer and she sat down suddenly laughing and crying both together there was no mistaking heathcote's purpose and mildred was filled with a great gladness while her heart quivered with fright landry would know he would know that she loved him and would come to her had she been unmaidenly to take this method to let him know meanwhile heathcote was striding along at a great gate he burst into the door of the room where landry sat cleaning a gun you blooming ass cried heathcote snatching the rifle from his friend's hands you blooming idiotic ass all right said landry what's the matter you're getting your hands full of oil why don't you go to her said heathcote landry suddenly stood up his nostrils dilated with excitement what do you mean he asked she loves you blurted the other i've just asked for her hand and it's about the seventh time i think she'll never marry me old chap you're the man how do you know landry was trembling like a leaf never mind how i know i'm not telling secrets heathcote had shown remarkable reticence it must be admitted you go to her and thank your god it's you i can't do it old man said the ranchman sadly taking his seat can't do it why what the why man you've got to do it i can't i can't and how i wish i could heathcote stared at him with wide uncomprehending eyes well i'll be look here will you tell me why don't you see heathcote that she has made it impossible for me to marry her or even to ask her why damn it man if i should take her now 
it would look as if i'd bought that sweet girl's life by an act of cheap heroism can't you see that in his excitement landry sprang up and seized his friend's arm if anyone else spoke of your act in that tone in that manner said heathcote slowly i should knock him down you did a great thing a big thing and you saved a woman's life besides she loves you go to her i've told you why i cannot go heathcote put his hands upon his friend's shoulders and looked him squarely in his eyes you're a damned fool he said and all kinds of an idiot in the bargain but you're the biggest man i've ever met you may call me a meddler or what you please but i'm not going to let you suffer and make a woman suffer simply because god did not choose to give you a fair amount of honest british vanity and he was out of the room in an instant it was with strangely confused feelings that mildred saw the englishman coming back to her what was the matter why did not landry come to her was his pride after all stronger than his love for her her face burned with shame at the memory of the means she had taken to bring him back and the longing she had to hear his words of love again heathcote did not make matters better as he reached her he may have always been honest but it is true that he was seldom tactful he won't come he blurted out who sent for him said mildred rising proudly i'm sorry mr heathcote that you so little respected the confidence i gave you her anger was rising her face was blazing an american gentleman she went on hotly in a like circumstance would have known how to hold his tongue oh come now said heathcote shamefacedly i couldn't help it you know landry's awfully cut up because he couldn't come but he's got some bally idea about your liking him out of gratitude and his buying you by cheap heroism it's all silly rot you know but say he paused in admiration that fellow's fine the anger had left mildred's face does he feel all you say she asked all that and more she came down the steps and put her hand on heathcote's arm take me to him she said simply now that's something like he said beaming on her as if he were not sealing his own death warrant he took her to landry's door and left her landry sat alone with his head in his hands he looked up at her step then he sprang to his feet with a glad cry and rushed toward her she took a step toward him and only smiled with a great content as he folded her in his arms beyond the one glad cry that had seemed to burst like a flame from the lava crust of his heart he had said no word and mildred looking up saw that he was sobbing silently as only a strong reticent man can sob when he does give way poor landry she said stroking his head it's all right now and we won't misunderstand any more later they went to mr osborne hand in hand but they had no need to ask his consent he was as happy in their love as they themselves when mrs ansley was written to it is reported on good authority that she fainted at the first lines of the letter and could only be brought to with much trouble so that she could finish it when she found that landry thayer was something besides a cowboy she consented to let the maid cease fanning her when she found out that heathcote was to be best man she quite recovered and said bridling well that will lend distinction to the affair and well it's very original anyway end of chapter twelve end of the love of landry by paul lawrence dunbar